You are listening to Hit Play, Not Pause, a feisty menopause podcast for active, performance-minded women. I am your host, Celine Yeager. Each week, I bring you advice from athletes, scientists, researchers, and other experts to help you feel and perform your best, no matter what your hormones are doing. This show is a production of Live Feisty Media. Hello, strong, feisty women. I hope you all are well. So this past December, I came across this story in the BBC, and the headline was, Bramley Woman Returns to BMX Racing After 34 Years. And of course, I click on it and see what this is all about. And the story says, Sarah Jane Nichols, 52, from Bramley, Hampshire, won world gold in the girls over 16 title in 1986 as a teenager and plans to return to national competitions. She said after being, quote unquote, hit by menopause really badly, she had to give up playing ice hockey, which left her looking for another way to stay active. So Ms. Nichols said she restored her BMX bike and started to attend rallies. And of course, I finished the story, but not before I DM'd my friend Jamie Bestwick, who is a Pennsylvania BMX legend. And I said, you must help connect me to this woman. And he did. And what a conversation it was. As the story explained, Sarah Jane, or SJ as her friends call her, was a seven-time British champion, four-time European champion, and the 1986 world champion in BMX. And now, 34 years later, at the age of 52, she has picked up her BMX bike again and is gunning for national championships, the British national championships. And we get into all of it. Her history with the traditionally male sport, actually call that traditionally male sports if you include ice hockey, how she was knocked down for the count by menopause, and how she is getting back on her feet and on her BMX bike, and again, is all in and gunning for this British national championship. I freaking loved this conversation, and I am pretty sure you will too. Okay, before we get to it, reminder that I am taking voicemails to do a Q&A episode. It's kind of funny, um, after we did the 100 episode where we got all those great voicemails about what you get from the show, I expected there'd be a lot of these, especially since I get tons and tons of questions from in email and DMs and carrier pigeons. And it's been a little bit of crickets out there. I have a few that have come in, but I'm feeling maybe you guys are a little shy about reading your questions on air. I'm not sure. So I'll probably mix and match this episode with the voicemails I get along with some of the questions I get through other avenues. But you can still leave a question. If you are not feeling shy, you can leave them to speakpipe.com slash hit play. I'll put a clickable link to that in the show notes. Remember to sign up for my free weekly blog at feistymenopause.com, where I distill all the latest research and what's going on and what it means to you. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook at feistymenopause.com. Come join our private Hip Play Not Pause Facebook group. And uh, thank you for all the great reviews on Apple Podcasts and Spotify that are still coming in. I really appreciate them. If you haven't yet, please add the show to your automatic downloads on your podcast platform, which is just like hitting the little plus sign in the right-hand corner on the Apple podcast platform. It really helps the show to continue to grow. 
All right. Quick thanks to Bonafide for their continued support of the show. They definitely have the secret sauce when it comes to vaginal comfort, as well as super lovely hair and skin serums and other products. They have been with us since the beginning, and I really appreciate them. So thanks, Bonafide. All right. Enough of me. Let's have a few words about these awesome sponsors and get on with the show. As a lifelong runner and cyclist, I am stoked to announce that Tifosi Optics has come on as a podcast sponsor. The beauty of Tifosi sports glasses is that they hit all the marks. They are shatterproof polycarbonate, so the lenses not only reduce glare, but also offer scratch resistance and complete eye protection. They stay put. They have little hydrophilic rubber nose pads that actually get more grippy the more you sweat, so they stay secure and don't slide down your face even when you're running in sauna-like conditions. No matter what sport you do, they have a shade for your activity, including tennis, fishing, pickleball, running, cycling, and just hanging out at the beach. And they are super reasonably well-priced, which is very hard to find in a sea of overpriced eyewear. And they just look freaking rad. So head on over to tifosioptics.com and use the code FM, capital F, and capital M, like Feisty Menopause, number 20, FM20, to get 20% off your order today. I'll put a clickable link in the show notes to make it a snap. Good sleep. The one thing that sets you up for a great workout and a good day is quality sleep. We talk about it all the time here on the show, which is why I'm stoked to have Lagoon Sleep as a new sponsor. Because one of the most overlooked tools in a great sleep toolbox is the thing you literally rest your head on eight hours a night, your pillow. A quality pillow is everything. Otherwise, you end up tossing, turning, punching, and folding your pillow, waking up with neck pain, and all the stuff that happens when your pillow doesn't meet your personal comfort needs. Say hello to the most comfortable sleep you've ever had with Lagoon. They start you out with a two-minute personalized pillow quiz and then pair you with your perfect pillow. I got the Otter, a cooling adjustable pillow that is perfect for side sleepers who run warm at night like I do. It is a dream. It's fully adjustable, so I was able to get the perfect loft and support, and the cooling feature is everything. As someone who turned into a furnace every evening before menopause, I appreciate that the Otter is stuffed, with shredded gel-infused memory foam, which instead of trapping heat from my neck and head, draws it away and dissipates it. It's truly delightful. I'm a good sleeper, and Otter's taken it to the next level with both support and cooling. Put my head down, good night, Irene. My aura ring confirms what little tossing and turning I was doing is gone. The beauty of the pillow quiz is you can get the perfect pillow that you need to and make your sleep the best sleep you can have. Go to lagoonsleep.com slash hit play and take the two minute quiz to find your perfect match and then use the code hit play, all caps, one word for 15% off your first purchase. Sweet dreams. All right. Well, Sarah Jane, I am very excited to have you here. First, congratulations on your induction to the Hall of Fame. That's very cool. No, oh, thank you. It was a, it was a, it was a huge honor. It was sort of un, it was unexpected as well, actually. But um, it was totally unexpected. I mean, we just never know when you go to these things, do you? It was, and it was such a huge event. I mean, they put out they put out all the stops for it. They put out you know the red carpet. It was a proper ceremony. I mean, it was like the Oscars for for BMX, but it was the first one that's ever been done. There's never been a, a British BMX Hall of Fame. So 
It was no all these years that obviously BMX has been going like since the the very early eighties, and there's not been a a BMX Hall of Fame. So, so it was quite incredible. It was an amazing evening, absolutely amazing. Oh, that's so cool. That's so cool. Well, well, congratulations, and let's let's go right there. Like, let's talk about you know your history from my math. It looks like you started when you were about eleven, right? Is somewhere around there. Yeah, so I was about 11 years old when I started BMX racing. Um, prior to that, How I was did you doing... get into a lad's sport? And if so, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off, but prior to that, what were you doing? That's okay. So prior to that, yeah, I was uh, I was doing a very um, unladylike, as we spoke about before on our emails, but um, I was doing schoolboy motocross. Um, I actually, you know what, I wonder if my dad actually, my parents actually wanted a boy. Because, but... <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, so... I've always been quite sporty, but yeah, my dad got me like a little motorbike and then they took me like actually racing the motorbikes, um, motocross. So from about the age of about seven, I was racing schoolboy motocross. Oh, wow. Um, wow. And then it was only when BMXs, because there was no BMXs were around this time. We had grifters and chopper bikes and whatever, you know, people just made up bikes that they pedaled around on. So because BMX stands for obviously bicycle motocross. So these bikes started turning up at the motocross meetings. And um, that was when they sort of started turning up. Then the kids would be pedaling them around, trying to go around the motocross tracks and just doing jumps and wheelies and little bits and bobs. And and that, sort of, that was the sort of start of it. You know, we were sort of like, oh, we'd like one of these. Everyone wanted one back in the early 80s for Christmas or whatever. So we did get our first bikes for Christmas. And... Um, from that, I mean, I was a little bit disappointed. I've told this story at the Hall of Fame because I don't know how much you know about about BMX racing, but and especially in the UK, there was this bike called a, a Rally Burner, and it was a, a really heavy um, blue and yellow bike that was just absolutely like awful for for racing or anything. It just weighed a ton, had these big plastic wheels, um, but everyone wanted them because you could just buy them in your local shop. You know, they weren't specialized or specialist type bike or anything but we turned up I turned come downstairs on Christmas day and uh, me and my brother we walked into like the spare room and there was these two bikes but they weren't yellow and blue they were red <laughs> and they had spokes and they were they were pretty light but in fairness my dad had actually done a little research because obviously from the the schoolboy motocross he sort of like obviously was thinking ahead about me racing these bikes and um, he had sort of invested a bit of time and effort into trying to find a race bike um for us so so uh, my first bike was a sort of a half decent bike it wasn't the rally burner that I wanted that all the kids were riding around the streets on but it was a <laughs> it was a good starting bike so no, that was really how I got got into BMX my um yeah from that we had our bikes my dad took us to a race meeting and I went I won my first race meeting so it's sort of like super exciting especially when you have a win and, and like when I was doing motocross I was just you know, riding around middle of the pack or racing around middle of the pack. Um, no, so it was exciting. And from that moment on, that that was sort of the that was the starting point. Were there other girls in the motocross? Um, there wasn't very many. No, not in the motocross. In the girls, and there wasn't actually that very many in the early days of BMX. Um, it was quite funny actually because when I first started racing BMX, they they divided into two two groups. There was just juniors and seniors, and they called us powder puffs. So I was a junior powder puff. 
And there wasn't very many of us. I mean, not like these days. These days, there's categories from under sixes up to the 30 plus in the, the BMX world these days in the females. But back then, there wasn't. But it grew over the years. Obviously, I was in at the very beginning in the early 80s. Um, I was really lucky that because it was such a big craze, such a big thing um, during the 80s over here. Um, I was lucky I you know, picked up sponsorship and had enough money to sort of get my first little car, made a little bit of money from it, even though I was sort of a kid, a teenager. Um, but it was, yeah, it was it was good back in those days. It was, but like I said, there wasn't that many women, but as it picked up, it did. But when I won the world championships in 86, that was 16 plus categories. So that was as far as it went. But there wasn't like these days where they got the, I mean, the, like now there's, like I say, 30 plus women. Is, is an age, age category these days so um it just shows you how how it's it's evolved i mean it did go for a little quiet stage in the 90s um but like again now it's it's really big now it's popular again i watched the footage um it's amazing what you can find on youtube like i watched your race i watched the 1986 uh championship runs like all of them against karen murphy it looked like that was your main your main rival and like the reporter guy literally was just like not a very feminine thing to do, but we'll get into that later. But it was super exciting. Like you came that last home stretch, you were like shot out of a cannon. Like how well do you remember that that winning race in from eighty six? Yeah, that that race was. I mean, I was that's the most memorable race for me ever. I mean, I I can even now if I watch it back now, I'm thinking that doesn't. I can't remember. I mean, I missed. I was last. I was last out the start. I was sort of. I was favorite to win because it was obviously the world championships but I'd already won the European championships that year I'd already had the number one plate for the UK so I was sort of favorite and I'd won my motos I'd won my heats I'd won my quarterfinals but then it back in those days you used to have to pick you had you had your lanes down start hill so you had like eight eight lanes and you had to stay in your lane for 15 meters so if you if you're in the far left hand lane going into a right hand corner you, you can imagine you're at a disadvantage, really. So you used to pick, back in the day, you used to pick a peg out of a bag. I and mean, it's all changed these days, which we'll bring up a bit later. But the, back then, you used to pick a peg. And I picked gate eight, which was right on the far left-hand side. Going, And I had to stay in my lane. You weren't allowed to touch the white line or you're disqualified for 15 metres before you could move over to, you know, you could cut across. And it's going into a right-hand berm corner, you know, and so I think, just then I was like oh my god I can't believe I've got you know I was so nervous anyway and the lights the traffic light system start gate dropped I just I don't know I was just too nervous nerves hit me I was last out the gate I went pedaled my butt off going down the first straight the girl next to me the Dutch girl she come off so I crashed into her luckily I wasn't riding I mean these days they ride clips a lot of the BMXers I mean you can choose not to but if you're over 13 you're allowed to race in clips and a lot do um luckily no one used them back then it was just fans all the way but um so I'd lost my foot in and I was just flat last I was seventh because a Dutch girl had fallen off I was seventh and I just pedaled my way around and again you couldn't do that these days because the tracks have changed so much but back in the day there wasn't so many jumps it was a lot more power and pedaling all the way around the outside of this track all the way around up from fourth to third and then, as you probably saw on the last berm, I was second. Karen Murphy was was ahead of me. Last straight, there was a set of doubles, and I was pretty good at jumping um, back in the day. And so I jumped these doubles. She rode the doubles, and I just powered my way through to the finish line. And 
yeah most memorable race ever I mean like I said I could just I just relive it in my head it's like oh my god I don't know how I've done it I mean I don't know if I, if I turn the camera around you can probably see at the end of my bed here is I don't know if I can turn it around actually yeah there is that is me I, I wake up to this <laughs> oh that's awesome and you're in the air you're on that yeah. double that's so cool yeah, so I wake up and that's, that's, that's giving me my inspiration at the moment now that I'm back back training to race. So I wake up in the morning, look at that and think, yeah, I can do it. <laughs> Musculoskeletal health is everything during menopause. Everyone knows how much I love Joint Health Plus from Prevenex, which has helped me get back to distance running after arthritic toes stopped me in my tracks. Now they have a product that has become my go-to for muscle strength and recovery, Muscle Health Plus. Muscle Health Plus contains all the key ingredients we talk about on this show, like creatine monohydrate, essential amino acids, and branched-chain amino acids, plus even more cutting-edge ingredients like HMB and estrogen that are scientifically shown to increase muscle growth, recovery, and strength. I use it every day during my early morning lifting sessions, and there's no question that it helps my power during those workouts and my recovery after. Plus, I love having everything I need from the best high-quality ingredients in one reasonably-priced shake. I've also heard from fellow users who have had bloating or GI upset in the past from creatine that haven't had any of that with Muscle Health Plus. I make my shake with almond milk and espresso, but it's also good with ice cold water, which makes the flavor really pop. As always, you can get 15% off your first order with the code HIPPLAY, all caps, one word, at Previnex.com. That's HIPPLAY, all caps, one word, at Previnex.com. Do your muscles a favor and head on over and get some today. For decades, running shoes have been researched, tested, and designed for men. Brands have relied on the shrink it and pink it approach to sell male shoes to female customers. That's why we are stoked to be working with Hedda's. Hedda's designs athletic footwear for women that elevates performance, safety, and style. Hedda's has unlocked the science behind women's biomechanics through dedicated research and creates better shoes for women's performance. Some of Hedda's special features include a lower ankle collar to reduce rubbing on women's ankle bones, a breathable mesh toe box to allow for ventilation and accommodate female toe shape, a more narrow and reductive heel cup to reduce heel slippage and take pressure off the Achilles, a rounded instep that creates a snug fit through the middle to match the curvature of a woman's foot, and supercritical foam and a PBEX plate in the midsole to keep our legs going when the going gets tough. Hedda's has three shoe models designed for different sessions, the Alma Cruise for your long runs, the Alma Tempo for training days, and the Alma Speed for pushing the pace. I've been running in the Alma Tempos, and they are a pleasure to train in. You can get your own pair of Hedda's at Hedda's.com and use the code FEISTY20, that's all caps, FEISTY20, for 20% off. Check it out today. We'll put a clickable link in the show notes to make it a snap. So yeah, let's, you know, um, like I said, it was, it was funny because the announcer there was, you know, talking to Karen and saying like, BMX is not a very feminine thing to do. And uh, I thought that was really funny when I read one of your quotes and I can't remember what media outlet it was, but it, in your comeback, you said it was a nice ladylike thing for a 50 year old lady to do. And I'm were you throwing back to then? I mean, or no, that, that was actually in reference I think, to my, I had no plans to come back to race BMX to be quite truthful I would just I've got my I've kept I still have my 1986 BMX 
but um, yeah, the one that I won the Worlds on. And I had it restored, so it looks, it's, it's amazing. It's exactly as I just showed you on that photo is is what I've had it. It's back to, it was, spot, it was sprayed in my sponsor's colours and everything after I won the Worlds. They wanted to spray it and whatever. But I've had it all done back to it, like it's original 86 condition. So my plan was with that, when, my plan was, was just to sort of, and obviously we're going to hit on the menopause, but I, I was sort of struggling. And after I've got some help and stuff, I thought, right, I'm just going to take things easy and just going to go to some of these like old school BMX, they have a like, big old school scene over here of BMX and um, sort of like sit in fields and display your bike and have a few drinks and have a little ride out down the beach or, you know, to the pub and whatever. They do all these sort of events. And, and that was my plan. Um Basically, I think I don't know if I even did say ladylike or just a bit more relaxed sort of thing. You know, step back from. I've been playing ice hockey for years and done a lot of road cycling, and and I just thought, no, I'm going to take a nice, relaxed, you know, fifty year old sort of like just sitting around and yeah, just enjoying that sort of thing. But um, no, little did I know <laughs> what's happened now. <laughs> It, it feels like I want to I want to dig into that a little bit, because when I was doing, you know, some reading on you, like you, you just sort of threw out that, oh, I've been playing hockey for years, but you've really played ice hockey like you like it, you you don't just do it like as a beer group on the weekends. Right. I mean, you've you were involved for like 35 years. I mean, was it was it a profession for you? Were you a professional ice hockey player? No, it wasn't. There's actually, I don't even think there is any women's professional ice hockey here in the UK. Um, but I did play at women's elite level for, for years and years. I played for England. I represented Great Britain um, when I was younger. And then like the last eight years or so, I've just, I took a step back and just, I, I played like recreational hockey. Um, was with just a group. I was the only female on our team, um, but it was just more for fun then, you know, so I'd sort of done my years of, and, and over here in the UK, um, ice hockey's they're sort of like a I, I know because I've been to Canada a few times and obviously it's so big in Canada I don't have different parts of the states and stuff but over here it's 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 like low low priority ice time so my training was at 11 o'clock at night and um, matches especially when I played rec hockey like last eight years I had matches at midnight and things like that it was it was crazy <laughs> but I mean all those years of playing you know I would travel to because we didn't have, and I, I don't have an ice rink, um, you know, not like on your doorstep, so to speak. But I travel up to Guildford, which was about forty-five minutes um, on a Friday night from training from half ten to quarter to one, and I'd done that for ten years, you know. Wow, it was a long time and a lot of dedication. I mean, I loved hockey; I did love it. I mean, menopause was one of the one of the reasons that um, I gave gave it up. Actually, I retired from it. What about it? Like, I mean, it does sound like you you hit a bit of a, a rough patch. Like, what was going on? That you quit in like 2020, right? You put down ice hockey. Yeah, that's right. So I've been playing right up until. I mean, COVID didn't help when COVID came along. Um, I was hit. Like, the menopause hit me as as well as sort of COVID coming along, and and I was hit. I mean, I think I heard you say actually on one of your. Um, cast when I was listening back that sort of hit you quite quickly and that's how it hit me like literally boom I was like I mean I had like perimenopausal I'd had a little bit from about 48 I noticed my concentration wasn't very wasn't very good um, especially hockey I mean lads would take the take the mick you know it's like they, 
yeah, the coach would shout out a drill and he'd be like, right, okay, I want you to, you know, pass to the pass to such and such, you know, turn, shoot, skate round, blah, blah, blah. And I would stand there and go, oh, it, it just wouldn't go in, you know, like as years. But I, <laughs> like, sorry, I what did you say? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I just wouldn't think, wouldn't think, I just couldn't get it. And I'd, I'd get out there and I'd go back of the line so I could make sure I'd be watching to see what, what we had to do. And then I'd still forget. And the, the lads, would, they would just laugh at me. They were like, what? You know, and I said, I don't know. But at the time, I didn't really put that down to. I just thought, oh, perhaps I'm just getting a bit complacent in all these years. And But looking back now, I guess I was, this was part of the perimenopause. Because um, then I started getting the odd night sweats. Um, then, and there was, they, they, yeah, they weren't very often, but they, they were they were coming. And then, then I'd have erratic periods. Um, and that was when I started thinking, okay, here we go. Something's I'm headed towards it. <laughs> it's on its way. <laughs> but little did I know that when it hit me, it would hit me as hard. And to be quite honest with you, I am still really, I'm still having, I'm still struggling with things at the moment. Even with the HRT, I still, I'm not, not a hundred percent really. And I, you know, I'm thinking of, I've got an appointment next week at the doctor, but I want to go back um, after this appointment next week to discuss hormones and stuff a bit, a bit more and see if there's something, uh, because I am still struggling with a, a few things. What are those? Can you share what those are? Like, what what are you still struggling with? Well, my brain fog, my memory mm. is horrendous. Even now, even tonight, literally, I'm downstairs. I'm doing dinner, and um, I thought I run a little bit of water into the sink with a little bit of washing up liquid, you know, to. And then <laughs> five minutes later, I turn around. Literally, I mean, our houses are quite small in the UK. I've got a little two bedroom house, so my kitchen is quite tiny. I turn around, the sink's overflowing. Because I'm still, you know, I mean, I'm literally like three foot away from it, <laughs> <laughs> overflowing, and I'm like, oh, these, and it's it's constant, it's day in, day out. Um, I mean, as a chap at work, I mean, oh, well, I do, you know, men. Some some men are really, they just don't don't always get it. This chap, he says to me, oh, um, oh, I lose my keys all the time. I I said, yeah, but if you started losing, okay, so you lose your keys ten times a day. If you started losing your keys. 50 times a day you would know there's something up that's not your normal you know and this is what I tried to explain because this is what I get quite a lot oh well I'm always forgetting things I'm always losing things I'm always leaving my phone line yeah but we do but when it becomes more that it becomes apparent and people I mean my partner notices it all the time it's just day in day out so that that's one of the things I've got to go back to um to try and talk to my, my doctor about um libido um, I don't know how much talk about things on here, but that's that. Was we talk of... about everything. <laughs> okay, that's cool. <laughs> so that was that was that's gone. That went <laughs> pretty much perimenopausal, um, and that's not really come back. And it's um, yeah, that's that's a a tough one. <laughs> so you know, for everybody, you went to see a doctor, and you got. Are you on uh, a combination of estrogen and progesterone? Yes, yeah. So I take a progesterone pill and um, HRT patch. I have had my dosage upped. Um, the tiredness, I still feel really tired. Um, I do, yeah, tiredness is, is a big issue. I'm always tired. So I am going to go speak to them because I think there's obviously lots of things that can be done. And a lot of women do sit back and, and don't go to, to seek help or just struggle through it or, you know, um, I think sometimes the older generation, I saw a lady the other day and she'd seen my article about my, um, one of my, the TV interview thing I'd done back along. And she's like, I don't know why you keep mentioning menopause, menopause, this, menopause. <laughs> she said, we have menopause just 
you know and but now there's help out there and and you've got to seek it and and especially as I know that I've I mean and not everyone's the same are they I spoke to another lady actually last weekend on New Year's Eve and she said oh I've not really had hardly anything a little bit of anxiety she said but I've not really had flushes or not really had this I mean before before I had um like when, when I quit when I was like the ice hockey retired I mean I was having all sorts of symptoms like I say when it hit first it hit bad the hrt has helped but um you know it did hit during covid it hit me hard i yeah and your doctor might actually i mean when you mentioned libido and some of the fatigue i mean you might benefit from a little bit of testosterone thrown in there i mean we that's part of the hormonal milieu too and it doesn't i don't think that gets talked about quite as much no i actually you know i've looked into that as well and um so i am going that is something i'm going to i think they do here it's approved for libido yes yeah and tiredness and that is mm-hmm. what i'm struggling with it is the tiredness i mean i'm so tired and although i'm loving coming back to my bmx and stuff at the moment but it's still i'm find i'm just so tired you know i'm gonna be in bed at half past seven in the evening and and um, it is just the t- tiredness. So I am going to mention, I think you have to have a test actually for testosterone over here in the UK. I think they have to send you one. So I am going to suggest that and um, see. I'm, I'm hoping that that, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, you hoping, should. That's, <laughs> that's not normal. It's okay to want to be, you know, to want to, yeah. to want to have these things in your life to not be like super fatigued and have no libido like that's that's not an unreasonable thing to to want in your life but that's that's the three things at the moment like the libido the brain fog um and the tiredness so that that i do i am going to make another trip back back to the doctors um and hopefully get that sorted but like i said the hrt has helped the other stuff so i think i was saying when i i mean i I started like when i was about 50 and the, the menopause really came it hit me it was more um, it was more at night to start with. So at night time, I would, I would like, I'd come to bed and then I'd be you know, going to the toilet all the time, having to go to the loo for a wee. So this was the stuff. I was like, oh my God, here we go to the toilet again. Wait, when I got back, that would trigger a flush. So I'd have a flush. So I'd lay, rip off the duvet, lay here like, you know, roasting, burning up. But this would also then cause me to have palpitations. So it was really bizarre. It was like, it was just this whole repeat every single night. So the palpitations would come, the flush would be there. I'd be led here, roasting, windows wide open. My bedroom is like an icebox. <laughs> and uh, and then, then of course, the coldness. After about half an hour, it's like, oh, you're so cold. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> you've disturbed, you've opened up your partner. And then it's like, give me like, I don't know, another 45 minutes and I'm off to the loo again, you know? So I go to the loo and then it would be literally this whole like repeating cycle during the night and I don't know how many times and of course you are tired the next day and then and I would just be moody I mean I had everything I was like moody I was irritable um had no motivation just want to sit on the sofa it didn't help with COVID being one of those but but during COVID over here in the UK a lot of people were we were allowed to go walking or cycling things and it just wasn't like me to be not wanting to do it you know and we have beautiful weather i mean for the uk it's like our weather's known for being wet and windy and cold and not very nice which like is out there now but you know what during covid it was as though god was like saying oh well you've got covid we're going to give you some nice weather it was beautiful honestly it was like about 24 degrees and every day it was in april and people were out 
you know, walking, keeping their distance and that sort of thing and, and cycling about locally and the things you could do, you were allowed to do. Um, and there was me sat indoors, miserable, irritable, not wanting to get up, not wanting to do anything, crying. I'll just cry no reason. I mean, I don't know why I was crying. <laughs> I just cry. And I would know to myself, well, why am I crying? I don't know. I just couldn't stop. It was just, <laughs> it was, it, it was horrendous. Honestly, I laughed, but it was, it was horrendous. Honestly, I, oh, I, when I spoke, when the doctor finally phoned me back, I can remember the day because you have to sort of make e-consults and things over here for the doctors. It's not always easy to get, and especially during COVID, it was even harder. When she phoned me back, I just remember being in tears. I was in tears to her, like, please help me. You know, this is not, this is not me. You know, I'm not like, I've been, you know, I've been playing ice hockey. I've been cycling. I do an active job. I'm, you know, happy. And and here I am just, just miserable. And but anyway, so that, that was really sort of the story that was. And then I got, she did prescribe HRT for me, which has helped. Well, that's great. That I mean, that is, I, I'm very glad to hear that. And I'm glad that you were able to get that help. I mean, it's, I hear this all the time. I mean, people, there are a lot of women whose lives are, they're just, they're not anything like themselves. You know, they're, they're unrecognizable to themselves. And there's no point in suffering through that. That's just, there's no, no, there's, it's unnecessary. And a lot of people do go to the point, oh, I mean, especially, I think it's like a British stiff upper lip type thing is to go, oh, well, I, you know, I'll, I'll get through it and I'll, I'll sort of soldier on and I'll, and, no, why suffer? Do you, I mean, don't. There's no point, especially if you, yeah, just just go seek some sort of you know medical help or speak to somebody at least, or you know, I mean, I did try some um, like different alternative medicines to start with with the sleeping and stuff. I think I tried some magnesium and um, can't think what else. I tried sage leaf things. Um, I did try a few alternatives and stuff, but and I think they helped a little bit, but it was still not. You know, I think I just needed that little extra, and perhaps I still do now. Like I say, it's still not, <laughs> not the best. At what point did you make that decision to return to BMX racing? Okay, so that 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 came about a little bit by accident. So, like I said, I was planning on, um, so I sort of retired from the ice hockey because of the menopause. I, I mean, I can remember being on the ice, and I had a flush. And this was during training when I was already like, I mean, if you've seen ice hockey players, quite often you steam, even though the ice rink's cold, you, you steam because you're so hot from training. But I was already like roasting. And then I had a, a, a flush on the ice and I, I thought I was going to pass out. And it's the one time that I've actually had to get off. In all the years, I don't think I ever got off from training. Um, I had to say to my coach, I've got to get, I'm going to pass out. I'm just, I was all over the show. I was so dizzy. And that was so from, from doing that and then when COVID hit and the late nights and then I wasn't able to train because they shut the ice rink for a while and so, and the other. so slowly slowly I sort of got out of doing it and then with the obviously the the menopause or the issues um I sort of decided perhaps I won't go back to ice hockey anyway but I didn't really know what I was doing myself to be quite true because I was so low but once I got the HRT I um I thought I made up my decision. I was going to do some of these old school, like I said earlier, take my bike and go and sit in the field and enjoy these sort of summers, evenings, sat in a film of BMX, old BMX with some other friends and, and do these little ride outs. Someone, 
spotted me. I've done this one called Santa Cruz, which is a Christmas one. You dress up as a Father Christmas or a Christmassy character and cycle around London. It's a charity event, all on old school BMXs. And there's probably about six to 800 of them. So when I first got my old BMX restored, I said, okay, so I'm going to, I wanted to really do Santa Cruz. So I'd got it restored, went up to London on my own, on the train, that upcycle round, amazing day, absolutely amazing. I've just done my second one. Um, but someone saw on my Facebook page from Andover BMX Club, which is a local, the most local club to me here. Um, he said, oh, you should come along to Andover, bring your old BMX and chat to the kids um, now, like, come, you know, see what the new BMX is all about. But the kids would love to meet an ex-world champion and they'd love to see your old bike and they'd, you know, love to hear your stories. So I was like, oh, okay. So I sort of, to be honest, I put him off to start with because it was December and I was like, oh, okay, you know, maybe when the weather's warmer. So I really didn't have any sort of plans to to revisit like the new BMX scene as such at the time. Anyway, when the weather got warmer, it was about April. I had this message again. Hi, SJ. You know, the weather's warmer now. We'd still love to see you at Andover. So with that, I um, I was like, oh, okay, great. So I I took myself off down to Andover BMX track with my old BMX and um, chatted and, and done, you know, sort of met with the kids and stuff. And it was quite nice. But of course, from that, they said to me, would you like to try? Would you like to try a, a bike? You know, a new bike. You know, so it's totally different. The style of bikes are different. There's a lot, lot has changed over 35 years. And I was like, yeah, of course I will. You know, I mean, I'm, I said, I've always been sporty, active. And that's so, of course, yeah, yeah. And uh, so they gave me a bike and they gave me a, a a helmet and some gloves and off I went up to the start hill <laughs> and I don't know it was just bizarre I just went around the track and I don't know everything just come flooding back and I was just like how good this is oh my god this is okay it's all changed and there's so much to learn but oh my god I was just like this is great and I even like a little bit of jump I did a little bit of air over on this I was like and they were like SJ, you you still you need to think about coming back. <laughs> you know, there's older classes now. You know, there's a women's class, and I was like, well, yeah, actually, you know, I'm loving this. I thought to start with, I thought perhaps even if I just do it for fitness because it's totally different. Oh my days, it's so, so, so hard work. Like really, really hard work. And I know I'm older, but even the youngsters are puffing and panting. You know, it's it's. But I thought, well, even if it's just for for fitness, you know. So so I started going along every Wednesday and borrowing a bike and of course it wasn't <laughs> it wasn't very long <laughs> before I was looking at buying a bike buying a helmet buying it and then um literally now I'm back hooked I'm training and obviously you've heard that I've, I've I mean I've raced a few club races now where it's just mixed um just with my Andover club so they just put us in together but it's just to give you a rough idea I've been to watch the new style of BMX in the new school being I went to the British Championships to watch um give me an idea of the competition too <laughs> and um and yeah and I've been training really hard um and now like my training's up up in I'm up in my training a lot now because obviously the season starts in in March I'm just waiting for the the regional fixtures to be announced so it's all it's just been it's been incredible I've been out today I've been around a little pump track today <laughs> what is I love all of this. I'm I'm very I d I don't know I'm not steeped in being a BMX enough. I mean I know a lot of BMX riders, it's all different styles. What when you say it's changed so much, like 
can you can you tell me a little bit like about that? Like what is what is different from when you were, you know, 35 years ago? Like what what are the tracks like now? Like what's it? Yeah, so the track I mean I mean both the bikes and the tracks have, have really changed. So the tracks hold a lot more jumps. The start hills are a lot bigger. They're all I mean, they started coming electronically towards the end of the 80s, but now they're obviously all just electric. Then they're a great big barrel of a gate, you know, it stands about two foot high. Um, the start hills are a lot steeper and the jumps, I mean, back back in the 80s, we would probably, you'd, you'd go down the straight and you'd probably have one jump, one little little to medium sized jump round a low bank to burn. They weren't very high. They were, they were quite low. You, you could put your foot out and, and go around them. And then maybe, so you'd probably have one jump maybe two per straight and bearing in mind there's only like four straights generally on a bmx track they're sort of like a um what's the thing like a safety not a safety pin a paperclip type shape you know um so so that was how come like winning the world so i was able to power away around the outside these days the tracks oh no there, there's like jumps there's four jumps down the first straight in andover um then you've got a really high banked berm and then there's another three, another four down the second straight. And then generally the last straight, sometimes the last two straights, they have what they call a rhythm section. So it's all the pumping, the pumping. Um, oh, yeah. It's <laughs> even thinking about the pumping. It's exhausting. <laughs> I've been on a little pump track and it's amazing. Your heart rate just goes straight through the roof on those things. Exactly. They're great training. I mean, we've got quite a few of those around here now. They're quite popular in the UK, which is good because we never had those back in the day. There was nothing like that. We just have to go to the woods and you know, with our shovels and dig a few jumps and stuff out, honestly, or put some wood on some bricks to jump off of, you know, things like that. But the pump tracks are great. And um, yeah, they are so hard work. I mean, there's no pedaling. I've been today and I've been practicing around a little pump track near here. And uh, yeah, it's just exhausting. You just go around even like two or three times and you're it's all on your arms and your legs and and the bikes where the bikes have changed as well so all the geometries have changed the bikes are slightly longer now um we used to have the saddle up quite high back in the 80s so when you'd go round the corners the berms you'd be able to perch your bottom down um now there's like no saddle i mean well there is but it's just i don't know it's just for decoration <laughs> it's just sounds so low your knees if you try to sit on it your knees are up to your chin and um so I don't really know what the saddles are there for now, but I suppose it's just there in case you have to plonk down. But they're um, it's it's so much strain on your on your legs, you know, on your thighs. It's just it is just like I've been doing a lot of squats and um, bench presses and stuff to to strengthen to to practice for these pump sections and stuff. Because being the last straight as well on these new tracks, the pump section, quite often your, your legs are. That is where, I mean, when I've done these club races at the moment, this is what I'm really focusing on my training at the moment is the last straight. The first three lap, the first three straights, I'm not, not too, not too bad. Obviously fitness can always be improved, but, it, but the last straight, oh, that's my, my legs are jelly by that last berm and there's not been much more I can give in that last straight. So, so that's my big push at the moment is to, um to get, yeah, that last straight, those last, that last sort of that five seconds out of it. So I'm gonna, I'm trying, I'm gonna hopefully get a personal trainer for. <laughs> hopefully, I'm gonna speak to him next week. Like I'm waiting for a hospital appointment, which isn't great. Next week, once that's done and I've got an all clear from that, then um, then hopefully that's that's the plan is to get a personal trainer to just push me through this last sort of couple of months 
you know, just to, to get. So then I know that when I go back out in May, in March, sorry, April, when, when I get the season, when it starts, I've given everything for my comeback. It's like, and that would be the best that I can, you know, I've, I've thrown everything at it. I've been training. I've been going to go to the track. It's hard at the moment with the weather and dark nights and stuff over here. But um, I was it's raining a lot and it's dark by four o'clock. So it's not so easy to get to the track. So it's a lot of gym work at the moment. Um, just get to the track when you can sort of thing or pump tracks when you can. But I'm literally throwing everything at it so that I know when I come back, that's it. I've given everything. I've thrown everything and that is it. It's the best I can do, you know, and I'm hoping it's going to be good enough. <laughs> so how, mu- how much is the, um, I have so many questions. Like how, how long is each run? Like, how much does endurance play into this? I mean, do you have to build some sort of a base of endurance for it as well? No, it's not so much endurance because literally the races are about 40 to 50 seconds. Oh, okay. That is really it, short. Yeah. It's just really intense, but it's really, yeah, it, it's just it is really short, which is good. But then you have the breaks in between. It always makes it hard. When I've done this winter one recently, just the club race. So we had like, 50 i mean it was quite because there wasn't many there i mean the breaks would be longer when a race at the regional there's a lot more riders but there was probably about a i don't know 20 minute rest between Ooh. races and it was like minus four or something it was so so cold and yet so your legs just they went so cold so quick and then you had to try and do a and it's like doing this someone compared it to someone told me recently um it's a bit like training or doing like a 400 meter hurdle race so you sort of got that sprint element but you also need to be able to have the strength to to for the jumps and stuff and yeah holding the bike and yeah it, and it is it's really tough it's definitely tougher than what i remember from the 80s and i think it is tougher actually these days like i say with the tracks and everything being so so many more jumps do you do anything special for your recovery um probably i rest the next day that's for sure yeah <laughs> and just and stretch to the best like i mean it's literally it does wipe me out um and this is another thing that i hope i mean i know obviously age when you get to i mean i'm 52 i'll be 53 in may so you know it is going to be tiring but i do feel that sometimes somewhere along the line my hormones are still not like playing as they should be um because i just i I do feel it literally wipes me for the day. I feel like a, a zombie walking around and I'm not sure I should feel quite like that. Um, I don't know, man. That's a lot of high intensity work. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> I think that it, it does. It loads you up. You should uh, make sure you get enough. Pro- I'm going to be like your mom now. Make sure you get enough protein. <laughs> make sure you like- but that's the thing, isn't it? Is eating, trying to eat a bit healthier. And I mean, Christmas is obviously a hard time for, for everyone. <laughs> I've got so much stuff downstairs here, like chocolates and stuff. It's like, oh, I'm glad I'm off work at the moment. I work at a school, so I don't go back till um, on Monday. Oh, well. And I go back so I can take some of the stuff that, like chocolates and biscuits that are sitting down there, keep winking at me. (laughs) So have you, I have to ask, um, have you hit the ground yet? Like I'm a mountain bike, like I was a longtime mountain bike racer and my risk reward and like hitting the ground definitely hurts more now. Like, have you hit the ground? I have. Yeah. A few times, a few times when I first got my bike and I think uh, I hit, I went down at three times in the first month of me having my bike. Two times was on a pump track and they're really unforgiving because they're like, 
tarmac all and and I think it was me being I don't know I think my I hadn't really learned properly the the new style of the bike or anything I was still thinking like I was back in the 80s and not taking into account that bikes had changed and the, the style has changed where I need to ride has changed I mean this has been a good thing for me as well I've enjoyed learning like all this new new it's like it's been like learning a new sport even though it's sort of instilled in me for all those years it's still been like learning you know when, when something clicks in place you go yes I've just done that you know I've manualed through that double and we didn't do stuff like that back then but when I first when I first got my bike yeah oh I took it took a, a few big pearlers yeah I am trying to jump as well I was probably I had to take a step back from jumping and remember that I'm not not um like as young as I was but I mean it does hurt a lot more I mean I took a lot of skin off my shoulder um a lot of skin off my knees I mean, it was in the early days when, and I didn't have it was stupidity. I didn't have my um, knee pads on. I didn't have any. Well, <laughs> <laughs> the thing was, it's so when you start like any new sport, it's it's expensive, isn't it? And I just bought a bike, and of course, I had to buy a helmet. Um, and I started looking at, you know, knee pads, and they wear body armor. Then we didn't wear body armor back in the eighties. Um, we didn't even have full face helmets. We just had like an open face helmet with a little chin strap. Um, no elbow pads nothing like I say now they wear full body armor um and proper and knee pads but I didn't because I'd bought my helmet I bought my bike and I was looking at the price I was like oh my dad do I really want to spend you know 150 pounds on some knee pads you know will I you know because you're unsure in my mind what I'm where I'm really going with this at this time back you know a few months ago I was like you know I wasn't really sure if it was just going to be for exercise or whatever but and I was like in the end, I was sort of looking for secondhand ones. So it was taking time. Then I got some online and then they were the wrong size. And in the meantime, I was like, no, I'm going out. And then, of course, I fell off. And so I learned my lesson the, the hard way by not having yeah, my um, full armour or full pads on um, when I first went, went out. And now now I just I make sure I always wear it now. But it you does, have all of it. Yeah. But it does play in the back of my mind these days. I don't, I, I've taken a step back from, from like I say, jumping, trying to jump. Um, you don't need to really as much anymore um you can pump through the jumps you can I can manual like a wheelie I don't know we, we used to call them wheelies but <laughs> they call it manual in that <laughs> something else has changed but um so you can sort of manual wheelie through through some of the jumps and I can do that um so there's no big need to, to jump everything you know or try and jump everything and risk you and I do think about the risk factors um when I was training there, there is a jump at my local club and I, it was a real nemesis for me for a long long time and it's just going into the first bird it was a big jump and it was a bit too you're going too fast to to pump it and you, it's too deep to manual through it and yet it's the, the only way really is to jump it really that is the only way but because obviously I was having to sort of slow down to go to pump through it because I was going too fast to you know this was it was just a real nemesis it really bugged me so I really did want to jump this jump so what I, I took a step I was like okay so I'm going to practice on a small and this was what I've done so I've rather than just go yeah I'm going to go out and jump it I didn't I, I started on a small set of doubles and just jumping those and just making sure I was getting over it and building up and building up when I was confident on jumping the small set then I, I bit the bullet and <laughs> I went for it on the, the one and now yeah it's, it's okay I can jump it now if the weather's good, but I don't take it. If, if I feel like I'm not going fast enough or I've been closed in with other riders around me, then no, I'll just, it's, it does hurt a lot more when you're older. 
Um, and this day recovery, if you get injured, it's, it takes a long time to recover. You don't bounce like you used to. <laughs> so, so the 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 big event you're you're training for regionals, right? In April, that's what you're going for. Yeah. So the, the thing, the plan is for next year is for me to race the British Championships. So to race the British Championships, I've got to race at least five regionals. Okay. So in the local region here in the south. Um, you don't actually have to place in them. You just have to attend them, really, <laughs> raising them. But I mean, obviously, I'm hoping to to place. But um, so that this is the plan. So the plan is is to to race the regionals and race in the British Championships, which would be August, the end of August. And yeah, I hope. I just hope. I'm, yeah, we'll see. I'm hoping to be. I'm trying to aim. I'm aiming as high as I can. We'll see. That's exciting. Is is there a is there a class that goes above thirty? Do you have an age class for fifty plus? No, they do in the in the men. They do. They actually have a fifty five plus men's class over here, but the women only go up to thirty, which is unfortunate. There, there's a bit. There, it's not a massive, um, massive age class really there's at the british championships because i went to watch it this year and a lot of the older riders do ride like a 24 inch bmx so um there was 21 30 plus in the british championships so there's not not masses um i think there's a problem with with, with women's and with females in sport obviously it starts off with the youngsters i mean there's so many like under six girls under seven girls but you start getting up to like 18 and then the 20 and then it's really pitters off. But then like I say it's picked up. It's not, it's not 30 plus. As, as I said, there's about, there was 21 entered into the Brits last year. And I know that there's about seven over 50. Oh, wow. In, in, yeah. And the current, the lady that's actually currently British championship is 52, a British champion. So, so it's given me this like, I mean, that stoked the fire a bit more because I know that I've got no excuses for her being the same age as me. <laughs> yeah, that's really. super cool. That is super so, yeah. cool. And the lady that comes second, um, she's more local to me. So I think I'll get to race her before I race the other ladies. So they're my two that I've sort of got my eye on at the moment anyway. Well, I, I'm so excited for you and I can feel the excitement coming from you, which is very very cool uh is there anything that we haven't covered that you would like to like share with the audience if they're i don't know thinking about picking something up that they haven't picked up for a long time i, I mean i think i mean if if you just give it a go if if you want to there's no age limit as age is a number isn't it really so um i mean there's a chap over here 76 and still riding bmx if you fancy having a go at bmx or you fancy having a go at i don't know trampoline and then you know just do it I don't know do you know what I mean just just do it and and if you're feeling unwell and you're suffering especially with menopause or anything really you know seek some help and and um yeah no hopefully that's that's what I say really I mean I've done it I'm super stoked that I'm back in and having fun and enjoying it and getting fit and and looking forward to the season coming up now so and it's also great because you meet people as a great social scene you know and even if you're not sporty, then, you know, like I say, just don't just try and make, you know, meet up with your friends and stuff, make a telephone call, whatever. Don't be lonely. Yeah. Great, great advice for everybody. Mm-hmm.
Well, that's our show. Join me next week when I sit down with exercise physiologist and nutrition researcher, Dr. Abby Smith-Ryan. We talk all about how our hormones impact our exercise and recovery needs, as well as what supplements you need and what you don't. So come on back for that one. And until then, as always, stay feisty. You've been listening to Hit Play, Not Pause, a feisty menopause podcast for active performance-minded women. I'm your host, Celine Yeager. The show is edited and produced by the strong, talented, and amazing women at Live Feisty Media. Follow us on social media at Feisty Menopause, and please help us spread the word. Screenshot and share this episode on your social media channels with the tag at Feisty Menopause. Share the show with your friends, and please subscribe, like, review, and rate this show wherever you get your podcasts. Word of mouth and good reviews make it easier for other listeners to find. Thanks for listening, and as always, stay feisty. Stay feisty.